I'm TJ Walsh, and you're listening to the Bold Creatives Collective podcast. Take a front row seat to hear conversations with successful musicians, producers, actors, visual artists, designers, directors, marketers, and more, and learn about their perspectives and approach to leadership, creativity, innovation, and growth. Let's dive in. Welcome, Vicky. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to talk today about using play and the importance of play and creativity and also talking more with you about how you incorporate that into your life and your work with people. But for everybody who is just meeting you, uh, can you give us an idea of who you are and what you're about? Yes, 100%. Thank you for having me, TJ. So I am a digital nomad. I currently live on a beautiful 30 feet bright yellow sailboat and cruising across the Caribbean working online. My passion is to create spaces where people can grow and connect through play. So I work for many different companies. Uh, I host wellness workshops, wellness retreats, But my biggest passion is actually hosting networking events, um, both in French and in English. And again, those networking events are unconventional because I use play to help the people connect through them. Wow, that's that's so important. And I saw that you will share a link with us for those networking events um, so that people might be able to check those out later on on their own, which is really which is really great. My big thing that attracted me to wanting to talk to you is the fact that you utilize play uh, in bringing people together. And I think when we're thinking about being artists and creatives, as many people in my audience are, um, we need to find ourselves and find our playful spirit once again, even though artists are supposed to be the playful ones anyway, I think we still find that we have trouble connecting the dots there. And what are your what are your perspectives and your and your and your viewpoints on why play is so important to creativity and to living a life that is full and playful? Yes. Yes. Okay. I think one of the biggest breakthroughs for me in the last few years was understanding that I need to stop taking myself so seriously. And for me, that breakthrough happened through play to understand that play means that it's light, mean that it's fun and that it, in order to go deep in your relationships, in order to go deep in your art and your work, depth does not mean that it has to be heavy. You know, depth can be light, depth can be fun. And I think it kind of brings us back to our inner child as well in our childhood. Cause as a kid, we learned and grew so much through play. Um, so ever since I like switched my, switched my, my lenses, the glasses in which I view life and start seeing them from a fun perspective, from a playful perspective, um, everything just became easier and more fun and it brought more, more joy to my life. It's so important, right? The the idea of depth. So many we all think like, oh, to be to be serious and to be like, you know, thought of as this person who uh, has a lot to say. You know, we have to have this depth to us and this seriousness or this heaviness. And like you were just saying, having that depth and that ability to have uh, things to say. Uh, and stories to tell doesn't mean you have to be a 
super heavy, serious person. You can, you can infuse all of that with playfulness. And I think playfulness will help you like the ability to have, to have play in your life will help you express that depth more fluidly and more, um, authentically or genuinely, right. Rather, rather than feeling like you have to deliver this, this thing in, in some way that just feels like it's forced or something. If you have to be flexible through play experiences, communicating what you have to say might be easier. Do you find that Mm. that is true in people that you work with? um, In Yes. Yes. And as, as you were talking, like I also heard that it helps you overcome challenges. If you approach life with a playfulness, uh, when something happens to you, you're able to use play as a, as a tool to help you overcome the challenges in your life, right? The way that you view life is completely different. Um, and yeah, to be ex- able to explore that depth, because sometimes, again, going back to that concept of taking ourselves so seriously, uh, we put us, ourselves a lot of, we put a, a lot of pressure on ourselves, right? Perfectionism and all of that. And I feel that when you you bring play into this, perfectionism goes away um judgment from others goes away play also brings a lot of compassion towards ourselves. it brings safety um in our lives wow so, wow beautiful yeah i think it might be helpful maybe for some people i think it might even be a little bit helpful for me to have a definition um or you know some kind of um starting point for how we're talking about play. What is it that we're actually talking about? I have a I have a four-year-old and a 18-month-old at home. And you know, they they play. Um, and that's how they that's how they learn about their world. That's how they learn about themselves. That's how they learn about, you know, other people outside of themselves. It's all through, you know, playing with toys and objects or um my toys and objects that they're not supposed to be touching. (laughs) They'll play with those too. Um, And so I think sometimes we think about playing as in what kids do, right? What, what kids do. Is that how you and I are speaking right now about what play is, or is it that plus some other stuff? Yeah, I think it's connected to that, of course. And we have our adult eyes, on it as well. So we can interpret other things that kids aren't even conscious about, right? That's the beauty is that kids explore, learn, grow through play, but they, they're not conscious about it. Whereas us as adult, we can have that same. I love how you mentioned like the five senses, the curiosity, right? The fact that they're starting with a blank page. So they don't have expectations of what they're going to discover in the sandbox, right? So it's to kind of get back into that mindset of curiosity of exploring the world through our five senses to be open to all the opportunities, all the possibilities that are there for us. And I can give you an example from my, from my personal life, maybe to make awesome. it clearer. Yeah. Um. So I live on a boat. It's a life that comes with an insane amount of challenges. Like we could do a whole podcast just on the challenges of living on a boat. And my partner and I, we approach all of those in a playful way. Uh, with humor, because 
or if we didn't, I don't think we would still be on that boat. I'm not going to lie to you. I think we would have given up. And one right. big thing it's not that worth it, not worth all that stress, right? If <laughs> exactly. You're looking at it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And a lot of people um, thought we were really funny because we used to have these cockroach parties. So we have this board, this board in the boat. And every time there's a cockroach sighting, every time we see a cockroach, we write it on the board. And then when we spend 10 days without seeing a cockroach, we have a cockroach party to celebrate that they're not here. You know, I could say, oh, my God, living on a boat is is terrible. It's such a terrible environment. There are cockroaches everywhere. Oh, no, we found another cockroach. Now we reprogrammed our brains that whenever we see a cockroach, we're kind of excited because yeah. we get to write it on the board and we're like, that much closer. <laughs> that much closer to not having any cockroaches on the boat. So <laughs> we're approaching the situation, right? right? Say, how can we reframe it? How can we make it positive? How can we be curious? Um, yes, yes. And normalize these conversations about those challenges instead of victimizing ourselves and going to that depth and and showing that side. So that's yeah, just one example. That's a great that's a great example. It's it, you're gamifying the the cockroach um <laughs> extermination process or something, right? You're you're turning it into a game where you have a reward at the end of of it in at some point in some way, right? Which I think is a really important um aspect to motivating us in in our in our life and in our day-to-day. Um, process. I'm thinking too about the importance of play in regard to to studio practice uh, as, as, as visual artists and, you know, play even in studio practice, if you're a musician or if you're, um, if you're some other kind of actor or performer, we all have ways that we can play in our, in our studios. And, for us visual artists, that's where that's where I come from in my background. But um, as visual artists, especially in today's world, right, where we're coming up with new ways of getting our work out there, um, of uh, designing uh, spaces for people to interact with our work, um, especially digitally, um, we can sometimes become so tight and obsessed with creating something that is going to look really great in that little square grid that little square on the grid um of instagram or in some kind of story um story reel and that can put so much pressure on you as an artist right to create something that doesn't reflect where you're at necessarily in that moment what you're experiencing what you're feeling what you're thinking the story that you want to tell what you're actually doing there is limiting yourself to oh my god i got to put something on this profile of mine um but when we loosen our grip on that and say you know i don't care about this profile grid anymore right now i'm just going to start blank and start playing i'm going to start experimenting with material that i don't usually experiment with i'm going to start um using uh different modes of inspiration that i don't usually look at Um, i'm going to put some time limits on the amount of um the amount of time i spend on a particular drawing or painting right i'm going to put some variables in there and I'm not going to worry about the outcome when that 
happens, in my opinion, that's a form of play. And when that happens, you find that you're more loose and you're more fluid. I guess those are the same things. Um, and able to fully enter into maybe what would be your more serious, I'm using air quotes, process, right? To get that final piece, right? Because you did that exploration ahead of time. So I'm thinking about that as well um, in regards to play. Yes. I think you're just adding a really important missing piece that we hadn't mentioned about play and it's to be focused on the process and not the result, right? That's yeah. what you just mentioned. Like we were yeah. talking about curiosity, exploration, uh, letting go of expectations we have of ourselves, right? That's what we do when we play. Um, and I think, yeah, that's, that's a really important asset to artists to be able to not think about Maybe you have a direction, maybe you have a certain vision, but not be so focused on what you want it to look like at the right. end and right. falling in love with the process and having fun while you're creating, not just having fun once the art is done. Right. Um, in the same way that we go through life, not thinking of, oh, well, I'll have when I'll have this promotion or when I'll lose 10 pounds, but falling <laughs> right. in love with the process. Yes. Yes. Right. Because it's the process. The process is actually what we live in. Right. We don't live in whatever is in the process. We don't live in in like goals or objectives or anything like that, right? We put those in place, I guess, to try and get us from point A to point B. And I guess it's important to have some some idea of where you want to land, but where life actually happens is in the is in the process. Where making and cr and creating things actually happens is in the process. Whether you're making and creating artwork or you're creating a business or you're trying to launch a product or any number of things that we do as creative beings. Um, it's all within the process. That's where it all is. Um, and I think it's so important to remember that or to get back in touch with that because the world that we live in, at least, at least where I am in the United States, you're down there in the Island. So I have no idea what it's like down there, but we are so focused Vicky on, you know, this productivity or making, making money. Like what is the end result? Well, I'm going to get money from this, right. Um, where I'm going to get some other kind of tangible thing, uh, that will benefit me. And that's all really great. Um, but if we lose, if we only focus on that and we lose sight of the process, we're not going to, as far as I can tell with all the people that I work with, we're not really going to grow and excel and find contentment and joy in what we're doing. Um, and I was just thinking about uh, a person who uh, is in a group that I'm running right now for artists. Um, when we're recording this, uh, it's the end of January. And so I'm coming up on the end of a four week um, habits building course uh, workshop with another uh, coach friend of mine and we're working with artists on building habits that are sustainable taking taking things and making tiny habits instead of trying to make resolutions and land on big goals right but what are some tiny habits tiny things that we can do each day that is just going to move the needle a little bit further for us um, so that over time when they're in there um, consistently uh, we see big results right and and this person uh was having trouble with 
holding really tightly to their process um, and kind of putting a lot of pressure on themselves to create something that they can share and post right away. And when something would go wrong on one of their um, pieces, they would destroy it or rip it up or cover it up, right? Because it would just get frustrated or they would abandon it in some other way. But through working with them in this group setting, we were able to help them realize that the habit that they want to instill for themselves this year is the habit of being more patient and compassionate in their exploration, right? So so that when they approach their work, right? They're going to have patience and compassion on themselves to let go of that pressure and expectation to share something with the world right away and explore more freely. And that was just a week ago that they Mm -hmm. kind of landed on that, but they came back last night and they were saying, wow, like I just noticed this week as I kept in mind the importance of being more compassionate towards myself. And I'm just more gentle and I'm more um, clear on what I want to make. And I thought that was really, really great. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it really resonates with me. And what I find super interesting is that I've never worked with artists but I've worked with athletes for a very, very long time. Right. I used mm-hmm. to be a high level sports coach before doing what I do now and coach high level athletes. And as you're explaining the process of the artist, I couldn't help but seeing the similarities with athletes who are focused on that very podium, similar. focused on that competition. Right. And yet they have to show up for practice every day. Right. right. Um, and a lot of other coaches used to judge me and the way that I coach, because again, I approached my coaching uh, through play. Yeah. And some people didn't find it serious enough because I wasn't focused enough on those medals or on those gains, those muscle gains, right. those, those physical gains. Right. But for me, the best way to win as a coach is when my athletes actually want to come the next day to practice. You know, high level athletes, they train up to 60 hours a week. I've had athletes that trained up to 30. You need to want to come to the pool and to the gym every day. And if that, that fire um, is extinguished, if there's no more desire to show up, then there's no art happening, right? If the artist doesn't sit down in front of their art anymore and they don't want to do it anymore because they're so focused on that end game, then you lose, you just lose the passion. Right? No, for sure. I think that that's spot on and it's true for artists too. I think it's probably true for human beings. What are we going to do to motivate ourselves to actually show up and do these things all of the time regularly, right? We want to do them on some level. It's a passion of ours. We're called to do it. I don't know, insert whatever kind of language you want there. But it can get pretty monotonous, right? It can get hard. It can get painful. Um and when those things are in play, no pun intended, I guess, um, it can be hard to show up, right? The, the next the next day, right? Because, because we're just spent. Um, and I think as part of that group that I was that I was talking about uh, just a minute ago, we're we're looking at uh, James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. Um, and in that book, um, he has 
um, the process of of building habits broken into four simple steps. Um, one is to make it obvious. One, the other, another one is make it attractive, make it easy, make it satisfying. And when you were talking about um, your work with athletes, what is going to get them back to the gym or back into the pool the next day? You know, what is actually the carrot that is going to get them there? What, how are you making swimming all of those laps or meters or whatever it is you do in counting swimming um, actually attractive? And I think mm. play. Uh, is is one way to do that right what what is it actually you know look like look like yeah what does it look like uh, I got most in that specific context I got most of my inspiration from board games so instead of just giving them workouts um, I would for example like bring a big big piece of paper and glue it on the wall on the pool and then write the distance between new york and miami and then that's the distance nice. that we would swim this week so every yeah. time an athlete swam a kilometer they would come out of the water in color so we would have a visual and see that we're getting closer see the progression getting closer to the goal and we're not just swimming laps no we're swimming between miami and new york right um right so that made it exciting and fun and visual right. and the athletes wanted to come back in the pool because they were excited to finally get to miami um so that's just one example but we would yeah. do like um snakes and ladder is that how you yeah. say it in English? Yeah. yeah yeah i think we say shoots and ladders down here but snakes and ladders it's the same thing yeah so so that game you you utilize that as well that idea yeah yeah of course i would make it on a piece of uh material that could go in the water that would be waterproof and then on each square of the board game there would be elements to do in the workout so like i don't know 10 squats or 10 push-ups. So you roll the die and whatever, wherever you land, you have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So that keeps it, that keeps it pretty um, free flowing, right. And unpredictable. It, it puts a little bit of, of excitement into, you know, what, what type of torture am I going to get to do to myself next time I, I roll the dice. That sounds really great. Exactly. <laughs> Being exactly. sarcastic there, but no, I think it, it's really motivating. I know for me, um, getting into the gym can be, can be difficult. Um, and I've gone through all different kinds of, uh, experiences um to you know get my body moving and improve its functionality um make it or try to make it look a little bit different um and i do really really well up front right so oh my gosh like you know i'm going to be working with this i used to be a big runner and um, i'm going to be working with this running coach and like he's gonna like really but then like after a while it just becomes so boring right um and, and then it falls off um, because nothing is unpredictable there. It's like, okay, well, today I know that I need to do, you know, sprints today. And then tomorrow is my long run. And the next day I'll do a shorter one. Um, and that's just so monotonous. Um, and even right now I'm back in the gym and I'm doing more like weightlifting stuff. And one of my friends um, is helping me with that. And um, he's given me some really excellent workouts and it's really helping me, 
but I'm noticing already that it's like, okay, day one is this, day two is that, and day three is going to be the next thing. And it just repeats and it's super predictable. So as I'm listening to you and your ideas, right, I might take some of those into the gym with me um, to try and keep me interested. (laughs) Definitely do. Uh, One of my personal favorites was the workout bingo. So you just prepare like a bingo sheet and then you write all of your exercises on little pieces of paper. You can do it as a group and then uh, just choose like a consequence or a prize for whoever wins the workout bingo. Love doing that. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) This stuff doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be painful in the way that we're kind of talking about motivation and getting in there, right? It's, it can be really fun and, and it can help you see the world completely, completely different, um, which I think is so important in, in today's world where we need to be thinking creatively and freshly all of the time, right? We're not in a world where we're necessarily, a lot of us anyway, are manufacturing things or like, you know, doing things that are repetitive. We automate that stuff now, right? What is really important now is our ability to think create, think creatively, um, but think um, more on the spot, uh, more out of the box, more unpredictably. And play is the way to work your brain out, right? And, And being able to do that like a brain workout or um yeah yeah it's a brain workout for sure can you talk about one thing that i did want to talk about is your reliance on three pillars when you're thinking about your uh, work with people or maybe even in your life um those three pillars being competence autonomy and belonging do those pillars fit into the concept of being playful for you or are they, are they separate ideas altogether? Um, yeah, I think I, I think I visualize them separately, but at the same time, I think I'm able to connect. I'm able to connect them anyway. Um, sure. if I tried, um, but yeah, those three pillars are for me are the secret ingredients to creating spaces um, so to create creative spaces, connection spaces, um, to help people feel good in whatever that you're creating. And I also use them for myself in order for me to stay motivated. These three pillars need to be activated. So if I have a goal or a dream or I'm in a process, right, we're talking about the process, those three pillars need to be activated for me to feel good. Um, so autonomy is the idea that you are free, that it is your choice, that it's not forced upon you. So let's say you have this new goal to paint or to share your art on social media. If you feel like you have to post on social media or else your family will not eat this month, then it's very likely that that's Mm -hmm. actually, um, lowering your motivation, because you feel obligated to do it. You don't feel free. You don't feel like it's your choice. Um, same thing if you go to the gym only because you don't like the way that your body looks and you feel forced to go to the gym, you will not be motivated to go to the gym. Right, right. 
So I try when I create a goal, I try to make sure that it's really something that I want and that I choose. And same when I create a space, I try to give as much autonomy as I can to the people in the space. So for my athletes, how that would translate, for example, is that instead of just giving them one workout, I would often bring in two workouts and ask them which one they want to do. Right. That's a really good parenting tip. Um, telling your kids, do you want to drink your milk out of the blue glass or the red glass? So they have yeah. a certain perception of choice. Yeah. I don't know if you do that. But. We do so, We do stuff similar like that too. Yeah. Giving them the power to choose. They have to still drink their milk, right? They still have to get those vitamins, right? But they can choose how they want to, how they want to have it happen. Exactly. Right? So every time you're with a group, like keep that in mind, how can I give them more power how can I allow them to co-create this experience with me? And it's also like autonomy to be yourself, right? When you create a group, you want the people to feel like they have like emotional autonomy, like they can independence, they can express and be whoever they want to be. So that's my first pillar. Uh, the second pillar is competence, as you mentioned. So of course, if you don't feel competent at something, you're not going to be motivated to do it very simple if every time you try to meditate um your your mind wanders somewhere else well you might not be inclined to try motivation again yeah right right the competence takes some time to to acquire right like when you're when you're starting out you're not necessarily going to be competent right so how do we how do we approach approach that? How do we establish that pillar? I think yes. is something that's important to, to think about, right? That's where we go back to when you were talking about compassion and patience, yeah. right? You mentioned that for your artist, compassion right. and patience. So lower the bar. It's, it's better to, and you were also talking about small habits and small actions. That's a perfect example of a way that you can nourish this pillar yes. is by, I'm going to do, instead of going, to the big gym workout with the big weights and stay there for two hours, I might start with a 30 minute body weight training right. because I want to live successes every day because those successes are what will keep me motivated. Um, so same with, with the athletes or with the artists, you know, be careful of the expectations that you have of yourself and be mindful of that because that will help you stay on track. Um, another big thing, if you're, part of a community um, is to create a culture of giving each other compliments. Yeah. That was a big thing for me. Um, yeah. Even in my groups right now, my networking groups, like I always take a five minute in the meeting to say who today surprised you by their leadership, who, who um, was making sure everyone was heard and seen who had the most creative ideas and take the time to say it out loud. And let's not keep that in our head and in our hearts. Let's pour it out there and throw those flowers and and tell people how right. amazing we think that they are because right. that way you create a culture of of um, talking about our how competent we are and making people feel competent. Right, and it sounds like that then bleeds into your third pillar of belonging, right? From from those actions and those interactions of the people in the group, um, lifting each other up uh, validating one another, um, also probably holding one another accountable in some ways, right. It creates and, um, it cultivates a, a culture of belonging, um, yes. which is really yes. important. hundred percent. 
and and belonging is bigger than that because you might say for a personal goal that is only between me and myself how does belonging work into that so it's belonging not just to a group of people but belonging to something that's bigger than you belonging to a mission belonging to uh something that's meaningful having purpose being on this earth for a reason right do you identify with that mission so i know for example my mom would highly benefit from meditation if you're listening to this mom this is your reminder that i want you to meditate um but she doesn't identify to that culture she thinks that if she starts meditation she's gonna have to you know recharge her crystals in the moonlight and talk to an astrologist (laughs) about the her tarot card reading from yesterday she sees this meditation community or essence as this whole woohoo woke thing and she's not able to separate all those little things right um so when you feel like you belong you're you belong uh, in the the community of artists maybe you're not even part of an artist group but just you identify as an artist you identify as the mission of being an artist and if you're able to cultivate that and make that stronger and see how you fit in into this big puzzle um i think that's when you stay motivated yeah um, yeah for sure i love all of what you just said i will say though that you know artists tend to be some of us pretty lonery right like we're we're kind of in the background and so when you're saying like if you're not a part of an artist group right still figure out how you belong to the larger picture that's really important how what what puzzle piece are you i think that that is really important but i would encourage everybody if you know anything about me at all and i think vicky you and i are alike in this that we believe um, in the power of community, in the power of being together with other people, however we can make that happen. I do encourage artists to step outside of that quiet private studio sometimes and be with other artists, either in person, online, however you can um, take that risk and put yourself into a group of other of other humans, because at the end of the day, as much as you want to deny it, human beings are pack animals, right? And we need to be a part of a larger group. Um, And without a larger group, we don't thrive. Um, We actually go in the other direction. And so I think that that is important. So yeah, find out where you fit in the larger, in the larger uh, group that you belong to, that you associate with, but also try and find that smaller component of that group that you can align yourself with as well, um, because that's where you're going to find that validation. That's where you're going to get the um, the, nudge, the nudges to be more autonomous. It's where you're going to have the opportunities to showcase your competency um, and to build your competency. Um, we can't do that uh, super well all on our own. So that was just uh, a TJ soapbox moment, um, but uh, just as a reminder. And so Vicki, this has been an awesome conversation. I'm so excited that we know each other through the internet. Um, And even though you are wherever you are down there uh, in warm weather, um, and I'm up here in the Northeast of the United States in the 
colder weather, uh, we could still have this great conversation and have this connection with one another. Um, can you, before we go, let people know where they might be able to find you online um, in case they're interested in learning more about uh, the communities that you uh, cultivate and nurture um, and anything else you want to mention about your work. Yes, thank you so much, TJ. This is this was really fun, a really fun conversation. Um, I would highly recommend for people to connect with me through Instagram. That is where I'm the most reactive. But I'm also on LinkedIn and on Facebook. It's always my full name. Nothing too crazy um, in that side. So just Vicky, um, probably check for my last name because pronunciation is not going to help you. <laughs> for sure. We'll put it all in the notes so that you can people can easily find it. Yes. And um, I'll leave the link for our league as well, which is a beautiful um, virtual co-working space that I'm a part of and that I'm one of the hosts in. Um, but of course, you can just message me on Instagram, send me those DMs. People forget that social media is about being social, right? It's not... <laughs> Don't it's just not... lurk in the background, right? Actually interact <laughs> with one another. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. It's not about lurking. It's not about just promoting your offers. You know, so many entrepreneurs see this as like a publicity billboard. But this is social media. So, you know, take that risk. Talk to that person that you find inspiring, that account that you've been looking at for two years. Um, send this person a DM. And if they don't reply, then you just poured some love out there. So yeah. I think those would be <laughs> the final thing I'd like to say is that take that risk, go talk to that person and be social. Yeah. And play a little bit too, right? Play. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody. This has been a great conversation. I hope you all got a lot out of it. We'll leave information on how to contact Vicky and get in touch with her and interact with her. Um, in the notes and we will see you next time on the bold creatives collective podcast <laughs>